I'm Natasha Reed, and I'm a dynamic woman in engineering at San Francisco Public Works. I'm an associate engineer here at Public Works. I work in the construction management division in the project controls and assurances group. Project controls and assurances is responsible for the documentation when it comes to the construction phase. What that entails is making sure the daily reports are done for each project, making sure that if there's an incident that happens in the field that we have the proper documentation, what happened, what time was it, whose fault was it. We need to make sure that we have all of that documented, any type of construction bulletin, we write it up or procedures on how to how to submit something. You know, we take care of all of like the documentation part of construction. I initially wanted to be an architect. And when I went to college, I played basketball for college. And so I couldn't do both because um, sometimes architects have to be in the studio for 24 hours at a time and with games and practice, so I couldn't do it. So I went to engineering, which probably is not much easier than architecture while playing sports. And so I went into engineering and I just kind of fell in love with engineering side of it. Um, the more technical problem solving part of engineering. I think growing up, that always has been something that I just did around the house, like, you know, taking things apart, trying to figure out how they work. And so I think my favorite part is like, even though it can be a little stressful at times, to be able to come up with a solution that's viable. I went to school at Cal Poly Pomona and I played, I was captain of the team, played on the team for about four years. I look back on playing and doing engineering and I honestly don't know how I did it. <laughs> there were times where like my teammates would be watching movies and chilling and hanging out and I'm in my room stressed studying. They used to make fun of me because I'd go in with a nice neat ponytail and by the time I came out the room it's like hanging off to the side because I'm scratching my head because I don't know what's going on. My first year especially like I would call home crying every day. I was like mom I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> like I'm not gonna do this. I'm not, I don't know how and especially like with sports being in college, that's a whole different level than being in high school. So like the demands physically and then going into engineering, I'm like, I've always excelled in school, but I don't even know what kind of math this is like. And this is just basic. This is number one, like, you know, so I definitely felt like I had a bunch of breaking points freshman year and just prayer and encouragement from my family. I was able to excel in school, excel in sports. I earned a scholarship. By the time I got to my junior year in school, I qualified to be in the Honors Society. And so for my senior year, I was president of the Honors Society. So I'm like, okay, well, I handled it. I don't know how I got to this point, but I did it, you know? But I think it taught me a big lesson about time management because every minute counted. I was studying on the planes, like studying on the road, just 
it was really crazy, but it definitely, I think, made me stronger. And I feel like now I can handle anything if I can go through that. It just really shaped me as a person. I graduated in 2009, right before the market crashed. And prior to me graduating, like my first year of college, they were hiring engineers on the spot, like at job fairs and all that. So I was like, oh, I'm good, (laughs) you know. But by the time 2009 hit, there was nothing. And I found myself working at McDonald's with an engineering degree just because I had to do what I had to do. So I went to a job fair, applied to millions of jobs. And I talked to a guy that worked for the Navy who eventually became my supervisor. He was like, well, I don't normally do this, but here's my card, you know, apply. And so I applied to that and it took like six months for me to be hired. I did a couple of interviews and didn't hear anything back. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I didn't get the job. You know, I was calling, emailing, didn't hear anything. So my uncle lives in El Paso. So he was like, oh, there's a civil engineer that I know here that'll give you a job. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) it's better than McDonald's. So (laughs) it's time to be a real engineer. And so I moved out to El Paso. This was during the summer months. So it was like (laughs) over 100 degrees every day I was there. Completely just different from California, like in every way that it could be. But, you know, I I did it. And then about a a month after I was there, I got a call from the Navy, of course. (laughs) Like, And so they were like, oh, you know, we're offering you the job. Well, yes, I want to definitely move back to California. So that's when I started working for the Navy. Yes, that was a difficult time because like every job wanted experience and I'm fresh out of school. So how am I supposed to get experience if you won't hire me? But it also, I feel like... I don't regret it because it kind of taught me to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Like I had never lived outside of California before. And, you know, El Paso, that's extremely different from California, climate, everything. So, yes, it was difficult. It was a difficult transition. It was a culture shock. And I wish I would have had more options. But also at the same time, I feel like you know, you go through things for a reason. So it, you know, helped shape my career. Working for the Navy was a great experience. I got to travel a lot. I went to Spain, I went to Japan, a whole bunch of places in the United States. So that was very cool. I worked initially in the fuels department And I was responsible for maintaining the fuel facilities at military bases. And then I moved over to the Oceans Group, which, you know, it was a research center. So there's a whole bunch of different projects that I got to work on, some secret (laughs) projects. (laughs) But it was really, really cool. One of the big projects that I had was the Navy Brow, which is basically like a platform that goes from the ship to the deck. People were getting hurt on it. So we were tasked with coming up with a solution. And so 
that was cool. Um, coming up with the solution, like we came up with an attachment that kind of prevented people from tripping and falling and did some 3D printing for that to make sure it worked. Also was able to contribute to an article that was written in a magazine, the military magazine. So that was really cool too. It was just a good experience. Although I enjoyed my position in the Navy, I was kind of getting a little homesick. I was down in Southern California, like about an hour and a half from Los Angeles. So I really didn't know many people in that area. My family was kind of far. So I ended up coming back to work for the city of San Francisco. And I feel like that was the best decision for me. I think I really have flourished here. I am close to my family. So home cooked meals and... (laughs) Being spoiled (laughs) has been great, but also like, you know, getting to work with great people and, you know, doing a meaningful job. It's been a great experience here. I have faced several barriers in my career, and I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or I'm black. So, you know, I checked two boxes, so I'm not sure what it was, but I feel like it, in every position that I've had, I, I've felt, you know, that there have been barriers. First, starting off in El Paso, one of the guys is like, well, you're going to be my administrative assistant. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I came here to be a civil engineer. Like, I should be doing engineering work, not, you know, taking notes for you. Um, Then moving on to, you know, (laughs) the Navy. And we had a pre-construction meeting before, and I had been sending emails, so nobody knew what I looked like. And one of the guys was like, well, is Natasha Reed even going to show up? And I was sitting right next to him. So it was kind of like, you know, as a a black woman, though, she can't possibly be Natasha Reed because, you know, she's a black woman. So I don't know. It's just little things like that. You know, people questioning like things that I say or over talking me make it a little bit harder It's already hard enough to, you know, do your job every day, but to have someone kind of doubt your abilities makes it even more difficult. And I think a lot of times people don't realize some of the obstacles that being a woman or being a black person, some of those obstacles are difficult and they're there, you know, even though we're in 2022, they're still barriers that exist and it's hard to kind of pick those battles as well because you know sometimes you could say oh well you know they didn't really mean it that way but at the same time it's like it still affects you that way you know and it's exhausting to try to teach somebody every time like you know hey that hurt my feelings it was difficult for me to find a job And then when I finally did, it's like, no one in this room looks like me. So that puts an incredible amount of pressure on you. 
to be perfect, pretty much um, try not to make a mistake. And I feel like as a young engineer, like you're supposed to make mistakes. So that's why I say we have a long way to go, because had there been somebody that looked like me, maybe I wouldn't have been so hard on myself. Being the only one in the room for me was, I think, one, intimidating. It kind of takes a toll on your self-confidence a little bit. There have been certain situations where, you know, a colleague of mine pretended not to know my name or like every time I had something to say, he had a question behind it. Well, why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? So it does cause you to kind of internalize that, like, well, am I doing this right? You know, even though it could be just somebody that's kind of ignorant and picking on you, but you do internalize that sometimes. And one of the big things I think that I have internalized too is like, if I'm the only one that looks like me in the room, there's a chance that I'm the only one that the other people have seen like me, you know? So I represent a whole demographic, be it women, be it a black woman. And I feel like if I'm representing for an entire demographic that puts another amount of pressure on to be perfect and to be on at all times, especially the way that society portrays us, you know? So for me, it's like about kind of breaking a stereotype and, you know, it's difficult. It's very difficult. So I'm doing my best to set an example so that hopefully the next generation won't have to experience the things that I've experienced. I think the best way to navigate it for me personally is just a lot of self-talk. Like, I always prep myself before meetings. Like, I know this might sound a little silly, but I'll go in the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I tell myself, like, you got this. You got this. You're smart. You're confident. You're beautiful. You can do this. So that helps me get through. I know it's kind of like a small thing. Also, I think having patience really helps. I try to tell myself like, okay, well, maybe this is a learning moment for this person. So I make sure to be vocal about things that offend me, not in a so much direct way, but like, hey, you know, you need to chill. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's how I handle it. I think there's a lot of like little things that come with being a female and trying to be in leadership. I think one, I think from a young age that women probably aren't taught to like, oh, you know, you need to be a boss. You need to, you know what I mean? So already it's like starting off like kind of doubting, you know, your abilities when you're in the room and you're the only one. Your presence is different. People look at you different when you're you're a woman in power and it's kind of like you can't be too soft because, you know, now it's a little lady, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or you can't be too hard because you don't be looked at as the big angry woman. <laughs> like, you know, 
So it's a fine line that you kind of have to walk and be a, a woman in power. And um, I know I was taking like a women in leadership class and even just subtle things like, you know, taking up more space or sitting at the head of the table. Like those are things that don't really come natural to women. So just being aware of that kind of helps when I'm in the room, like, okay, let me go back to my training <laughs> and make sure that I'm, you know, presenting myself or making sure that my voice is heard. Cause a lot of times people will just talk over you, but yeah, it, there are some challenges. I think the advice that I would give is you are supposed to be here. You're as qualified as everybody else to be here. So just always remember that and internalize that, you know, because there will be challenges. There will be people that doubt you, but you got this. Thanks for listening to Snapshots, a public works podcast. 